All right, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Uh, special welcome to you if you're new. Good to see you again if you're not. Always good to see you. Uh, well, if you'd like to stand with us, we'll say a word of prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Uh, Father, I come to you grateful for the opportunity to be here, that we get to do this, that we, we get to come before your throne because you have been gracious to us, and you have... You have brought us in here, and you. I pray that you would just do your work of um, watering and planting, and may you bring about growth today, and thank you for every bit of grace that goes in um, to, to us just hearing your word, let alone everything else. So thank you for one another next to us. Thank you for you over us, and uh, I know that there's, there's people here, and so th there's pain, and there's uh, there's worry, there's strife. I pray that you would speak to those today, and I pray, I know we're continuing in the book of Luke, but it feels like a new beginning, so may we have that sense as we move forward, and may you make us a prepared people for your word, and for your wonderful and holy name we pray, amen. was dead in sin, alone and hopeless. A child of wrath, I walked condemned in darkness. But your mercy brought new life, and in your love and kindness, raised me up with Christ and made me righteous you have brought me back with the riches of your amazing grace and relentless love i made alive forever with you life forever by your grace i'm saved by your grace i'm saved Lord, you are the light that broke the darkness. You satisfy my soul when I am heartless. So if ever I forget my true identity, show me who I am. And tell me to believe You have brought me back With the riches of Your amazing grace And relentless love I made alive Forever with you Life forever By your grace I'm saved By your grace I'm I'll never be the same Yes, our sin has been erased So we'll never be the same You have brought me back with the 
this. Wow. I had some power there for a second, then Rod kind of dialed it down for me. So we'll stay within the boundaries of what's appropriate for, uh, for, for, for what we're doing this morning. Well, anyway, I just wanted to share that we are pivoting into a new year, and I hope that means something uh, beyond just the calendar is turning another page. I am trusting that God is uh, using 2020 as a season of reflection, of going through all of the uh, challenges that we've gone through, perhaps bringing to the surface painful things and, in our lives that um, maybe we need to deal with, maybe we need to repent of, maybe we need to uh, look to God in a fresh way and say, Lord, I need you in my life like I've never needed you before. Help me to open up space in my life so that you can fill it. And if you ever pray that prayer, it's a dangerous prayer. Maybe people had prayed it before going into 2020, and God said, well, this is kind of how it starts. Uh, it's going to be painful, but in the end, it's going to be good. And when I read through the scriptures, I find that there are people that go through a lot of pain and a lot of struggle before they get to that place where the blessings and the joy and everything that God has in store for us uh, begin to manifest. And I just want to trust that God is going to do that in 2021 after we've gone through what we've, what we've gone through in 2020. Um, so before we begin, I'd like to just take this moment, sanctify it in the Lord, and just ask you to uh, bow with me and let's invite him into our presence. Lord Jesus, as we've celebrated the birth that... Uh, we've been told about for two millennia that is an indication that the hopes of your people have not been misplaced. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you came, you came in the form of one of us so that we could know that there is someone who has the power and the ability and the capacity to bring hope and change to uh, the world that we live in and to our very lives. And you do that in a way that identifies with the circumstances that we, we live in and the challenges that we day-to-day um, -day have to encounter and the trials that we have to overcome and even the problems that we have in our own self that need to be transformed. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we take that hope that we celebrated and we begin to unfold it into uh, this new year, that you would be with us as you have promised Emmanuel. We pray, Father, that you would bless not only our church, but the churches in the community as we do 
bring witness and light to a world that is uh, encapsulated in darkness. We pray, Father, that as you allow your son to move into our circumstances uh, by first bringing him into our world and out of obedience, uh, calling him to mission, and then in a spirit of triumph, uh, leading him into the new creation. Father, we thank you that that mission is still our mission. And as we face the challenges of the moment, you have done something inside of us uh, that gives us a sense of being able to overcome. So, Lord, we just pray that you would anoint this message series that we're doing on Luke by your Holy Spirit. Uh, without your Spirit, Lord, we are unable to do anything. And so help us, Father, as we go through this journey together to understand your word and to bring um, a, a, a fresh uh, spirit into um, the lives of the people around us as your word does its good work. So in, we invite you to do all of those things as we invite you into our presence now. Come, Holy Spirit, that we would bring glory to the Son and exalt the name of the Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, that was sort of like the kickoff for what we're going to be doing in 2021 by looking at uh, the book of Luke and taking a very careful look at it. And as um, we've been going through 2020, some of us have actually been spending time in Luke, myself and Rich, and I've had conversations with the staff about Luke uh, in the latter part of 2020, because it's been my hope and my vision to be able to uh, uh, share this with other people. And uh, it was so exciting uh, in, in, in building up for this message series uh, to have a conversation uh, with Rich Capel, who had said, we should do a message series on the whole book of Luke. And I knew whenever he made that proposal that it was just God at work in the whole process saying, this is a good place to go. Now, what is it about Luke that is so compelling? Well, I'll just share this little story. Last week, my wife and I made a flying trip to Illinois, um, praying that the weather would uh, not prevail against us, but we could get there, uh, do something that we've had really misgivings about doing, uh, but needed to be done, and that was out her mother's house who passed away a few years ago and get it ready for sale. And it really was the closure of a long chapter of a, a wonderful relationship that we've had with uh, Mandy's mom, who uh, in so many ways has enriched my life. And so it was kind of Bitter, yet bittersweet, knowing that she's with the Lord. When we went to Illinois and uh, we went to clean out the house, um, of course, things are, when you plan them out, you seem like they're three steps, but in fact, it's more like 10 or 20, and that's the way the whole thing ended. By the time we got done, we were exhausted physically and emotionally and just ready to come home, pretty much depleted. The only problem was people were saying, 
as you get ready to go, there's a front coming in, and it's probably going to be icy all the way home. And I'm like, great, that's just awesome. Here we are finishing up something that has been so hard to do, and now we're moving into something that is going to be 11 hours of stress on the road. I don't know if you've ever traveled in ice or not, but um, it, it's not fun. Thank the Lord it didn't get icy, but what it did do is it got rainy and at times foggy. And if you've ever traveled in the rain at night in the fog, that's a pretty good time, isn't it? Because uh, you never know what's going to happen. And for some reason, traveling on Wednesday, it seemed like everybody and their dog was traveling on the same road we were on. I mean, the highway was just full of cars, and I never anticipated that. Well, there were times when we were driving that the only way that I could see the road was to follow the taillights of the car that was maybe 100 feet in front of me. Beyond that, I really didn't know if we were on the road or off the road. And one thing I've also discovered that uh, I turned 57 last month, and it gives you 57 varieties of with the way things kind of break down with your body. And uh, my eyes are like, I told Mandy, I said, I can't see as clearly as I used to at night. And um, she said, yeah, I heard it doesn't get better. But so the only thing I'm doing is I'm praying and I'm watching taillights. And I'm just praying that those taillights know where they are going and perhaps the taillights in front of them are going to the right place as well. Well, here we are. And I don't know who those people were that I trusted, but they seemed to know the way well enough to get us to where we needed to go. And I think in a lot of ways, that's essentially where we are at. Because we are living in a moment where there is a lot of fog and there seems to be a lot of rain that just continues to uh, perennially come down. And 2020, of all things, is one of those years where it's just been intense in that way. So intense, I've never felt like doing this at the end of a year, and that is, um, and I told my kids to do this, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I said, you know, right at 11.59, just go to the bathroom and flush the toilet and just say, see ya to 2020. Maybe that's not appropriate, but that was sort of how I felt. And as um, we look at the uncertainty and the fog and the fear, and the rain, and all of those oppressive forces that have been at work in the world. I don't know about you, but it's been hard for me to see clearly. As a church leader, uh, in the, 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 the peers that I have in this, in this role uh, throughout the country, and people that consult them, they've essentially said, this is one of those moments where as a leader, you really can't see very far. And if you can't see far, how do you lead other people to where they need to go? And it's a unique challenge, and it's been hugely challenged for pastors. And, and some of them, I know, have dropped out of the ministry, and others, you know, they're white-knuckling it, and others are finding ways to, to, to get through it, and others are finding ways to to, to overcome, and it's just one of those times. For myself, 
it's been one of those years where I've asked the question, I can't see the road ahead, but are there at least some taillights that I can follow into whatever it is that we are going into? And are those taillights trustworthy enough for me to be able to land where we need to land as we go down the road together. And I would like to think the book of Luke, in a lot of ways, are those taillights. It is a book that I think Luke wrote under conditions that the psychological and spiritual and even physical landscape had similar characteristics to what you and I are going through. It was written a generation after Jesus was uh, was, uh, was called into glory. And it was one of those books that as it was written, there was a lot happening in the world, especially in the world of God's people. And as I'm just reading through this book, I'm just, yes, yes, this book tells us where we need to go and can help us to understand what it is that we need to know about the road ahead. And setting it up that way, it has been one of those exercises in trust that I, I think God is saying, there are no guides out there. There are no places out there where you can say these are leading lights in the world. This is beyond what is in the world. And I believe that when the church and people are in that moment, they need to have revealed to them, and we need to have revealed to us something that is not from this world, but for this world. And I believe Luke's gospel does a pretty stellar job in helping us to see where it is that we need to go. A lot of things have been happening within the eldership even. We've spent three months working on a mission statement, looking at Acts chapter 2, uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and also looking at Ephesians 4 where it talks about the unity of the church and what, what it is that makes the church function like it should. And we've, we've prayed about it, we've meditated on it, and um, we've come up with a, with a mission statement. And so not to go f too far down into the weeds, but I, I want to say this, because of the that we are in, everybody at least knows this. The world that we lived in prior to COVID is not the world that we're going to come, uh, come out of or into uh, post-COVID. It's going to be a different playing field in the ways that uh, we can't really anticipate right now, but for certain, there's definitely going to be impacted by this in ways that, that we, have, we just don't have a playbook for. And at the end of the day, we find that in the course of the week, churches are quiet, but we're hoping that things are still happening in the lives of God's people. And we're trusting that the Spirit of God is at work in God's people. And part of our role is to keep us engaged and tethered to the Word of God so that we can keep that relationship with God as healthy as possible. We don't know at the end of the day what this church is going to look like post-COVID. Honestly, don't know. 
Um, a lot of people are trying to forecast what churches are going to going to appear to be after this is over and and at the end of the day we just don't know you ask yourself as a leader what is it that you will have when this is all done and i think the two things that are most important we discover in luke and the first one is that there is good news and the second one is there is a mission that the church is responsible for to bring that good news into the world so that the world can have hope. And so we have good news, we have the mission, and I know I said two, but I'll just say there's three, hope. That is what First Christian Church has at the end of the day that cannot be taken away from us. And I want to help rekindle the substance of all of that uh, in, in, in the preaching of, of God's gospel through according to Luke. And I pray that in our hearts there will be a season of refreshing, a time of regeneration. There's just so much going on here that as we go into it, I hope that you're like, yeah, I see the taillights and I see them more clearly. And yeah, I'm even starting to see the road a little bit. And eventually you hope that the rain will stop and it will, well, it will, um, it will be a better day. So I don't know about you, but hope and mission and gospel are the three things that I'm paying attention to right now as um, we live our faith out together. So that's kind of introductory. I want to just look again at the opening, cha opening chapters of the book of Luke. We've kind of rehearsed it a little bit in December, but I want to revisit it for just a second. And as Luke opens up in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, he tells us there is a guy named Theophilus, who we talked about on Christmas Eve, that is going to be receiving this, and he is a person of social stature, probably of power and influence. And Luke wants to carefully and credibly say this is what we know about the Jesus that you have heard of. And so with a lot of prayer and a lot of help from the Holy Spirit, he begins to take up this account. So here we have his opening salvo. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Do you catch what Luke is doing there? He's saying that I'm following the taillights of the people who were following Jesus. So I am trusting that everything that they are sharing with me about his life 30 years ago on earth is true so that I can share that with you as you follow my taillights. And so he says, I did after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. And then he says... 
this leading statement that you see throughout the book of Luke. He kind of places everything in the context of what is going on in the larger world. And here he says, in the days of King Herod of Judea. Now, if you were a Jewish person living in Judea under King Herod, we ever, I would say that one of the key words for 2020 has been triggered. It seems like people get triggered. Their fears and their anxieties and their worries get triggered so, so easily. And if you can just take sense of being triggered and apply it to King Herod as the eyes of a Jewish person in that day would hear those words, you would know the feeling that is going on in the landscape that Jesus or that Luke is writing about. So to add a little bit more substance to what is happening into the larger world, we jump real quickly to the opening of chapter 2, verse 1, and Luke elaborates, in those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. All the world should be registered. That's pretty bold, isn't it? This was the first registration and was taken while a lesser magistrate, Quirinius, was governor of Syria. And then Luke jumps ahead in telling another introductory statement because the first four chapters sort of set up the rest of the book. So hopefully you're still with me. And as, as we just look at one more question, what else was going on in those days? Well, it was the 15th year of the emperor Tiberius when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was, was a ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Echeria and Trachonitis and Lysanias, ruled of Ab, ruler of Abilene during the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas. That's a lot. So let me just boil this down for you. Every one of those characters that Luke mentions basically had little, if any, interest in the purposes and the mission of God. They all had their own agenda. They all had their own role to play in the power brokering that they were doing that was impacting society. A lot of people were just trying to live their lives, and each of those people were saying, yeah, but these are the policies that you need to abide by in order to live your lives. We were kind of joking last night, I think it was, uh, at our house, uh, Luke and Mayim, about politicians and government and things like that. And basically, I told them, I said, at least it's been my experience that, you know, life happens and then policy and then you just have to sort of add a ball and chain to the life that happens. It's like they find ways to create more resistance to how you live your life. And in a lot of ways, these guys found those ways, created a lot of resistance. As a matter of fact, created a lot of pain and hardship for the people that were not moving in their direction. 
they, um, they looked at what was happening in the church as somebody driving down the interstate highway the wrong way. All those Christians, they are not only going the wrong way, but they are misusing the pathways that we've laid out. And by the time Luke is writing, these, these, this cast of characters that I'm mentioning have taken initiative to make sure that the people that were proclaiming the good news of Jesus had additional misery piled upon them. This is what Luke is trying to say, is that there is a lot of resistance that will happen in your lives based on what you already know about these people. And as we read it 2,000 years later, we find that perhaps different characters, but the same old agendas of trying to undo the things that God is putting into motion. There was a time after the war that the United States and the church a lot of people said we're kind of going in the same direction. That so much about Christianity and so much about being an American were, were just so commingled that at times it was hard to really separate what was American and what was Christian. In 1969, when people graphed the growth of the church in the United States, they said 1969 was the peak where all of those forces worked together and there were more people coming to church in 1969 than any other time in the history of this country. But as people look at the attendance of people coming to church, you see kind of a, 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 a decline that you can chart that is just like, it's like a, a slide. It's, it's consistently moving away from it to the point now where we are living in a moment where the United States, being an American, is very different than what it means to be a Christian. And so when the elders were going through these questions about our mission statement, they're also asking, who are we? What is our identity? Where did we come from, and what are we about? And one of the things that Luke wants to bring to the surface is probably best summarized by a statement in Paul who said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And he's essentially trying to set it up so that out of the misery of the moment that those who were not for their agenda, the, what those people were having to live in and through, those people would have a reason to be hopeful. And I don't know about you, but the reasons to be hopeful are scarcer and scarcer when you just see things from the vantage point of, of the horizontal. 
And what Luke is saying is you got to look at what is happening in the vertical. What is God up to right now when these things are creating so much hopelessness? Well, one more historical element that I want to add to this picture as we move into it, and that is this. When Luke is writing, there's this big vision of hope and promise and prosperity that Caesar Augustus set into motion, that Tiberius was trying to maintain and uphold, and basically it was the, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, meaning that the Roman Empire is the pinnacle of everything that is the cumulative experience of humanity, and we are the expression of the most enlightened, the most um, sophisticated, the most superior uh, form of what it means to be a human being here on earth. That's what the Pax Romana was all about. And it was that peace of Rome that everyone was talking up that was a Roman citizen. However, if you were not a Roman citizen or you're a Roman citizen not in agreement with their agenda because you see the dark side, there's issues. And so as I kind of conclude this part of it, as, as, as you read through the book of Luke, you'll find the cast of characters that are mentioned, and I'll just mention a few here. Um, are the members of society that say, no, nah, we don't buy in. We don't buy into that. Luke highlights the role of women, the less than religiously acceptable, tax collectors, the poor, the sick, the oppressed, even noble Pharisees. Luke brings into um, into the role of a new identity in Christ. And he tells about these people more prominently than anybody else. Now, why am I going into all of this? It's so that you can see that there is a pattern in history that God moves in and through so that his purposes can be fulfilled and when we look at the characteristics of the pattern that is happening in Luke's day, we can look at the pattern that is happening in our day and say, oh, you know what? It wasn't a whole lot different for those people as it is for us. I wonder how they wound up. Well, just to kind of give a spoiler alert, if you were here on Christmas Eve or you watched it, you remember that there was a conflict between two kings that ended with the disappearance of one type of emperor. That was the Caesar type. And there was the appearance of an emperor over Rome <clears throat> that was completely bought in to the Christian agenda. That was the emperor Constantine some 300 years later. 
Now, I don't know about you. You're like, I don't have 300 years to wait around for this thing to happen. Well, the good news is um, God works in his own ways and his own time. And whatever it is that he is doing in this moment, we have to trust, like we're watching the taillights, that he will get us where we need to go and then some. But you know what Luke is really concerned about? It's not so much following the taillights that is the car that Jesus is driving. He's concerned about the people that are following their taillights. The people that are looking to them and saying, do they know where they're going? Because it appears by all indicators we are going down the road the opposite way that the rest of the culture is going. Can we trust this Jesus? Can we trust you? And people are asking you, can we trust you to be a light in the darkness? And I honestly believe that if we stay tethered to the things of God from the Gospel of Luke, and true to the mission that is our calling, we'll be okay. We will be okay. And I think I can say that with a degree of authority that I couldn't if I didn't have some connection to this word that we will be okay, that God is at work. And he has his own timetable for us and for this. But he's trustworthy. Now, as we follow those taillights, the one thing that I, I want us to realize <clears throat> is Luke helps us to see what we cannot see. He helps us to see what we cannot see. You are a person who has received the gospel and you want to share the gospel, then God is saying to you and I, I need you to be bought in 100%. I need you to not only know the gospel, but know it with such conviction that you can share it, that you can proclaim it, because you can't proclaim what you don't no, you just can't. You can say the words, but unless you know it and people know you know it, you can't really proclaim it. And that's an important point in what we find out in Luke. And as Luke is unfolding this, he says, I want you to imagine a different kind of world, a different kind of way of life. A way of life that is characterized not by the agenda of those guys, but a way of life that is your birthright to begin with. That Jesus had to come and reset it because we completely have lost our way and we're driving off the road down some backwater avenue that we don't even know where we're going. I, I was driving through Louisville, Kentucky on the way back. 
And I don't know if you've ever driven through Louisville, Kentucky, but for some reason, I found it very confusing. And pretty soon, I just discovered I'm completely going the wrong way. I thought I was going north, and I was going south, and then I thought I was going east, and then I was going west. And I'm like, it's about 10 o'clock at night, and I'm telling myself, maybe you just need to stop and get out of the car and, you know, shake it off a little bit. But the bottom line was, everything that my instincts was telling me about where I was going was miscalibrated. I finally just had to stop, look at my phone, and then figure out where I was at so that I could continue on. And Luke wants us to approach the experience of a believer from the standpoint of the map that he is carefully creating for us. Not, it's not like when you go to Pittsburgh and you try to use your Apple Maps. Just forget it. Because the wrong turn, and you know what that means, you probably lost an hour of your life just getting back on the road. And here Luke is saying, I don't want anyone to make any wrong turns. <clears throat> I want everybody to be clear that the gospel is spelled out in these ways, <clears throat> and I want you to be able to not only understand it, but I want you to be rooted in a deep conviction because of it. I'll share just a little anecdote from my wife as a teacher, just real quickly. There's a lot of confusion about Zoom calls and things like that, and there are a few people that just can't quite get it. And they'll email her, and she'll do step-by-step instructions, and then they'll email her back, or they'll text her and say, I still don't understand. I still don't understand. And she threw her hands up in the air, and she said, I can... I, I can tell you how to do it, but I can't understand it for you. That is your job to understand it. And what I'm hoping is that we're willing, because if we're willing, God is able to help us understand it. Well, I've got a lot more to say, and I think it's just going to spill over into the next message. But I I think I would like to just wrap this part up with this. Um, We have been living in a painful moment. And it's not been easy for me as a pastor to hear the story of a loved one dying or somebody getting sick or something happening that's tragic. It's just very painful. And some people have even had accidents that are painful, which I, I, I truly get. And at 57, I've discovered that, you know, I'm more careful about my steps. I'm more careful about accidents but it seems like invariably they still happen. And I've got plenty of scars on my body to show you that I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of things that were accidents that I've had to recover from. And the one thing that I've learned, I think it must have been from whenever I was a kid racing motorcycles and I broke my arm 
And I told my parents, this is the beginning of the season, and points matter, and so I want to get back out on the track as soon as I possibly can. And they said, um, well, you're going to have to wear a cast, and they probably won't let you do that while you're wearing a cast. And I think they felt like, well, that's going to be the end of it. The good news was, the doctor said, uh, it's one of those breaks you, you can't put a cast on. We're going to have to operate and put a metal plate in there. And my first thought was, awesome. That means that I can get back out on the track ASAP. And so they put the metal plate in. Two weeks later, I don't know what happened to my parents, but there must have been, they must have been distracted or it must have been a lapse of judgment. Two weeks later, I just wrapped my arm up in a magazine and an ace bandage, and I said, we're going racing, and we went. I don't know. They just like, well, we can't stop him, so we're just going to do it. And I don't remember a thing about the broken arm or the pain afterwards because I had something on my mind on the other side of it. Fast forward to this last year. My knee started giving me trouble, and I'm like, Oh, man. So I'm kind of feeding it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm kind of hobbling along, and I'm sort of like almost letting it take on a life of its own. And it just didn't seem to get better. Well, long story short, I f it is better now because basically I said, no, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to find a way to get through it, and I'm going to move on. Because I think sometimes when we go through painful moments, we stay stuck in that pain and we do not move forward because it's just too much. And I don't want to judge anybody who's going through pain. That's not my point here. What I do want to say is this. The sooner you embrace the pain, the sooner you get past the pain. Am I right? You know, you know that, don't you? Yeah, hard lesson to learn, but it is so wonderful to see you now without that pain than when, by the grace of God, you were in a car accident that created the conditions for an operation that you were putting off, and now you're back online again, and you're not looking backwards. That is a classic example of that. We will come out of 2020 with some scars. And hopefully the scars are a reminder of how God allowed us to go through painful moments because it is the pain, and this is a truth that I hate to bring up, but it is the painful experiences that you and I go through that become the salve for other people in their pain. Just read 2 Corinthians chapter 1 if you don't believe me. But it is a necessary experience for us to go through pain oftentimes so that we can be effective in the healing of other people's lives. And that is the very pastoral element that Luke brings to the surface as well. And what he's doing here. So let's look at 2020 
not waste the pain, but rather just move through it as we deal with it in him. And then hopefully he will use it in us and through us to help other people. And I'm really looking forward to going through this series. I hope and I'm praying that God will use this to calibrate your spirit and mine as we just follow his taillights through the fog until we get to the place that we need to go. As I was finally after 11 hours getting here, I'm looking at the thermometer on my wife's car and it says 36, 34, and I get to Canton and it says 32, <laughs> and then it starts snowing. And I'm like, we have come so far only to, to you know, get stranded because of ice or snow or whatever. But we just kept on moving on and trusted that God would get us where we needed to go, and sure enough, he did. Because at that point, there wasn't anybody on the road to follow. It clearly was just us and the Lord and the road and the conditions. And that's a comfort, isn't it? To know that God is with us no matter what. But there may be some of us where that experience of knowing and enjoying his presence personally is just not accessible. It's just not there. It's not a reality. And the whole point of what we are doing this morning is to hopefully help, if you're online or whether you are here, help you to make that personal connection with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is front and center of all of this and hopefully your life and mine. Would you bow with me and let's just take this moment before him and ask him to help us. Lord Jesus, as we have gathered today for worship in a spirit of expectation and anticipation, we hope, Lord, that as we turn our eyes to what is ahead in front of us, looking in the rearview mirror occasionally and recognizing that that is where you were when you helped us along the way and giving you glory for your faithfulness. Father, we pray that as we look out to the road ahead, help us to recalibrate our relationship with the people around us. Help us to recalibrate our hope that it would be embedded in such a way that fear and worry are displaced. Help us, Lord, to recalibrate our relationships with the people around us in ways that show the fruit of your spirit. But perhaps most importantly, Father, I pray that through the spirit of Jesus that you help us to recalibrate our love and our devotion to you. Because you first loved us and you've called us to be your people. Give us the strength, Lord, as we internalize the vision of Jesus 
in our hearts and as we express it to one another in a spirit of care and compassion and of love. I pray that we would be those people. In Jesus' name, amen. brought your uh, communion with you. Um, we'll enter into that time now. If you didn't, it's on the back, uh, back there. But um, before we sing our last song, um, Luke says this. seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely. He's talking about everything that's taken place around the man Jesus Christ, the Jesus phenomenon. Jesus made such a splash that we're in this room today. To write an orderly account for you, most, most excellent Theophilus. And here's the purpose of why he writes and does this entire book that we're about to jump into, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. As you remember Christ, know that it's God's will, black and white right here, that you would have certainty about his son, that he wouldn't be some shaky idea in your brain, some loose love that jingles around in there, that you might have certainty about what you've been taught. You're about to be taught this entire book. And all of you who have been coming to church for a time, maybe your whole life, maybe that is your first service, I don't know. Um, God's will that you would have certainty about what's written here. Pray for us as we move forward. Pray for yourself as you hear. And pray that it would ripple out from this room. That Jesus is worth that. You can stand and worship when you're ready. Oh, glory be 
this now help us to in the weeks and the sermons to come and the messages all glory be to you that was Luke's heart it was just a word on Luke's heart that said Christ may we be the same and may we desire nothing else let us not read the cultural prompter and say that's our identity let's look to Jesus Jesus, may you come in, may you fire the board of directors that sits on our heart and the little attorney that disagrees with you, and may you take his or her spot, that our hearts, the banner thereof, would say Christ alone. Pray that you would do that throughout the learning of this, your book, as we see you and hear you and savor you. 
Help us to worship you. It's for your wonderful and perfect name we pray. Amen. All right. We love you. We'll see you soon, right?